Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome, bienvenue, to the first episode of Filmed Live Musicals, the podcast. My name is Louisa Lyons. I run Filmed Live Musicals. And with me is Al Monaco, a director extraordinaire and Lincoln Center aficionado. Hello, yay, hi. <laughs> Welcome, Al. Thank you for joining me on this adventure. Oh my gosh, this is going to be great. I'm very excited. <laughs> me too. <laughs> So Filmed Live Musicals started um, in 2011 when I was studying for my Masters of Musical Theatre at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. I feel it is important to say it in that way. (laughs) (laughs) And I was uh, at the cinema with a group of friends from school and we were watching Company Filmed Live from Lincoln Centre starring Neil Patrick Harris and Patti Lapone. And... Before the film started, there was a little pre-show interview segment with Ellen M. Crass, the producer, and she produced uh, Sunday in the Park with George and Into the Woods. And in this pre-show interview, she talked about how difficult it was to get funding for filming live musicals because no one had ever heard of it. And mm. I felt I immediately like sat up and said, wait, haven't people heard of Into the Woods or Sunday the Park with George, which things I had grown up watching, and I was surprised that it was so difficult. So I ended up writing my thesis on filmed live musicals and uh, couldn't really get away from it when I finished school, and so I built a website, filmedlivemusicals.com, which is a database of uh, all the of stage musicals that have been legally captured and distributed to the public. So it doesn't include bootlegs. It's all all films that have been legally captured. So that is the database. Love it. It's such a <laughs> wonderful resource. Such a yep, such a wonderful resource, especially for people who don't have easy access to live theater. Yeah. And that's my hope is that it will legitimize film live musicals. And I think the pandemic has certainly changed all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Because film live musicals have become so, and film live theater in general, there's such a demand for it during the pandemic. And of course, with Hamilton being released just yesterday or two days ago, mm-hmm. as we record this, uh, it's it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what in your research at the New York Public Library, mm-hmm. what, have you seen many musicals at the New York Public Library? No, I actually see mostly plays, but I did watch Millie. I do remember watching Millie. The Sutton Foster version? Yeah, because I was up for a position to work on that show, so I wanted to refresh. Yeah. Do but, you remember yeah, what the quality was like? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, I think that I don't ever feel like the the, the film directing ever gets in the way of the actual stage production, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So everything is always very like you like you're right in the room with them, which I always appreciate. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. how many uh, cameras or like what kind of angles they used? It's a good question. Wide, like wide shot, and then 
so it was very much like Hamilton, like some very up close, some very, you know, whole entire whole picture, mostly whole picture, though. I think with musicals, you kind of have to, you know what I mean? But some up close, but for the most part, you got to see the entire stage. The entire <laughs> stage. So my understanding yeah. with, so for people that don't know what we're talking about, New York, the New York Public Library has the Theater on Film and Tape Archive, which was started in 1969 or 1970 by Betty Corwin. And she had this... A vision to capture stage musicals and archive them. And now the Tuft or Theatre and Film and Tape Archive at the New York Public Library in Lincoln Center in New York City uh, has something like over 4,000 archival recordings of stage shows. Uh, And the the collection now includes uh, not just shows from New York City, it it extends further than that. But at the beginning, it was just a camera at the back of the theatre and over time, it has um, become more sophisticated. And with digital cameras, it's become easier to have multiple camera setups. Mm-hmm. So with that, my idea for today for our first episode was to talk about filmed live musical firsts. Yeah. And yeah. So the first, the very first musical, and so I want to put parameters because when we're talking about musicals on screen there we could there's thousands at this point movie musicals and tv musicals what we're talking about in filmed live musicals is stage musicals that have been filmed in front of a live audience and uh distributed publicly uh so again it doesn't include bootlegs and uh it doesn't it doesn't really include the uh recordings from the theater and film and tape archive, because although it's a public library, that archive is only accessible to people with a library card physically at the library. So it's, I wouldn't call that widely distributed. And you have to have a reason. They don't just let anybody see the, yeah, you have to have, there's also even further restrictions. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's really only available to researchers. So Mm -hmm. the average person can't come and watch a chorus line from the original production. Such a shame. I, I there's been talk of the theater and film and tape archive releasing some productions for schools uh, that's happened as a result of the pandemic. But again, it will be very restricted and there'll be lots of, I'm sure, strict rules to stop um, pirating. And it's, right. a, oh, it's so exciting, the, the mm-hmm. idea that that archive could be opened up even for school kids. Absolutely. So the very, very, very first musical to be filmed live and publicly broadcast was Machia Melody in all the way back in 1939. Wow. Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yes. And, and Gone with the Wind. A coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> what I would love to do more research into is how many people actually watched it because I can't mm. imagine many people had television sets in 1939. Yeah, that and more people, I think going to the theater was probably more like like a social, like a social event than it is now. So it probably was more popular to physically go and watch theater. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, people just didn't have TV sets. This is pre-World yeah. War Two and pre-industrialization yeah. of and the mass release of televisions. So they, yeah. they had started to exist, but only the very wealthy and very very few people had them. But it would be interesting to look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. But uh, only excerpts were filmed of Magyar Melody. It was mm-hmm. um, uh, just uh, song and dance numbers, basically. It was just short bits. 
And then a little while later in May, May on May 1st, 1939, uh, the first, Me and My Girl, a compilation of Cole Porter songs. Oh, wow. Was um, performed. It made the Lambeth Walk that it was a dance craze in the 30s. <laughs> it made that very popular. Um, and it was filmed at the Palace in London. So that was that was the first. Wow. And then jumping ahead to the 40s, so the, the war kind of got in the way. Uh, that you know, little pesky thing. <laughs> as it does. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hugely disruptive. Uh, but in 1944 a new television station, Dumont, uh, which no longer exists, um, but it was one of the early independent television stations. They aired a the first television musical. And so from what I can gather, it wasn't filmed in front of a live audience, but I just think it's an interesting precedent that uh, very from very early on, television stations were interested in filming theatre. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so that first musical by Dumont was the the boys from Boise. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, Boise, Idaho. <laughs> uh, from all accounts, it was quite extravagant, and the musical itself was pretty average. Uh, the music was by Sam Medoff, but uh, audiences, uh, the reviewers rather, said that it you know the musical wasn't much to write home about, but the production values were surprisingly high given that it was the first time that anything like this had been tried. But it took, it, it didn't take off. It, it, it wasn't a game changer or anything in the industry. It was, it took a while before full scale musicals were produced on television. So throughout the 50s, uh, we have uh, variety hours, like shows like Musical Comedy Time, The Bell Telephone Hour, Craft Television Theatre, Ford Theatre Hour. And they were usually hour-long review spectacle kind of shows. And they would feature numbers from Broadway shows or, or like standalone numbers and sketches and skits and things like that. Have you ever watched shows from that period? No, not not television. No, I'm more of a movie buff. But that's so interesting. It's just it's it's all very interesting because I up until very recently did not think that theater sh- or any type of theater should really be <laughs> on a film. So this is all <laughs> very interesting to me. <laughs> and now you're on a podcast about it. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I did not know this fact about you. <laughs> Oh, yes. I have a very specific story, which we could talk about later. Oh, but, no, please. Oh, yes. I want to hear it now. Oh, my God. This was this was right before Broadway HD was ever created, thought of. And I was home for Christmas. And my uncle said, <laughs> what if we did a what if theater was streamed? Like, what if like Netflix, you streamed theater? And I told him. Never in a million years would anybody ever allow people to put... I said, you're not even allowed to have your cell phone in a theater, let alone a full-on professional camera crew in a theater. To put. I said, that's not how theater is supposed to be. And then wouldn't you know... And then here I am, like, eating my words because wouldn't you know that <laughs> Broadway HD does exactly that. So, oh it's so I love that you you come from that place because that is that is has been the mindset that... Right that theater on film is not theater. Right. 
And it's something I think about a lot and talk about a lot on on the website and on Twitter that, you know, what what is a film of filmed life theater? Right. Is is it it's not theater because theater you have to be in the room with an audience. Right. And it's different every night. It's a very sacred sake I use sacred, you know, in a very liberal term, but you know, it's a very sacred, like special experience. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. only in the room. Mm-hmm. It's in, an in the room where it happens to use exactly <laughs> a contemporary reference. <laughs> and then a film is something it's it's a a piece of art that exists on screen. Right. Whether it's been on video or tape or whatever, you know, the technical right. terms behind the technical history of the of how you capture film. But it's it's something that exists on a screen. So what yeah. what is it that that is created when you put when you film a live theatrical event and put it on screen? Right. Is it I mean it's a great question. Yeah. I you know, some people talk about a hybrid that it's a hybrid form, but I don't think we have a name for it yet. Mm. And I think, I think that's where that's something I would love to, I I would love to come up with the term. What, you know, film live theater for now, theater on screen, film on screen, the stage on screen, but it it doesn't convey what it is. I know. I agree. It doesn't completely, I know. I always just love pro shot. Pro shot is like my Mm go-to term. But then you have shows, so a lot of shows in the database are, you know, uh, musicals in a black box theater that, you know, it's one or two, maybe three cameras dotted around the theater. And it's it's not necessarily a professional shoot. Like it doesn't have the close-ups or the cranes right. coming in or dolly shots where the camera is panning across the stage and the camera physically moves across the stage. So is can that be called a pro shot? I would think if it's like an understanding that this is going to be recorded legally, then yes, I would say it's a pro shot. If it's something that's done on your phone or like in your shirt pocket, then that's yeah. what we, that's what we call that's a bootleg. Lot. Yes, I know. And then and then the other part about legally filming comes into payment for everybody. Right. Oh yes, absolutely. Cost and creatives and. All the design, like, yeah, there's a whole team of people that creates that show that should get paid. Uh, so that's that's a whole other episode, ag- how the agreements Absolutely. work and mm-hmm. um, why, why. So part of it, the resistance in the U.S. certainly has been the cost of filming a musical. So, for example, it, Hamilton cost $10 million to shoot. Right. And on top of the, uh, I forget, the the cost it cost it was to mount that show on Broadway it's you know it's an additional cost because you have to pay everybody for for the shoot and then residuals and how many times can you play it afterwards so I think that has certainly been a big barrier to filming and with the with the belief that theater shouldn't be filmed in the first place right and to to think like as you're saying that I'm like well Hamilton probably can get away with it because they're they have so I don't know they bring in so much revenue but there are shows that like were limited runs that are rare that had special performances right that were very 
near and dear that absolutely did not bring in the money the way that Hamilton did or does. And so what do we do about those that deserve to be seen? Yeah. Oh, How yeah. Do we, I, you, the, it's, it's very complicated. Absolutely. And I think part of what the resistance to filming theater comes from these early captures in the 50s that were very, and I think because they were filmed without an audience, perhaps some of them had a live studio audience, but from my understanding, most of them were filmed just in a TV studio without an audience present. Mm. And I think Mm -hmm. it changes the performance. It's why I'm so careful to only include musicals that were filmed with an audience because I think captures are able to capture some of that magic that happens between a performer on stage and an audience watching that cameras are able to some extent they it's it will never replace the real thing and that's that's not what film live theater is for it's it's not to replace but to document and archive and make accessible Mm-hmm. something that is ephemeral absolutely and i think like i remember i think there are pros and cons to that to even that which i can't believe i'm saying that too but for example in mass like in master class um zoe caldwell or maria Callas, she she needs the audience because she she pretends like they're all of her students in her class so for that absolutely but then and that and I saw that pro shot and it was beautiful. But then I also saw the pro shot of Choir Boy. And in, in an intimate setting, one of the most special plays I've ever read and I've ever seen. And for people to, three times, three different cell phones to go off during these just heartbreaking, heartbreaking moments. And for that to be the only pro shot of that show, it, I think is unfair to the actors, is unfair to the playwright, is unfair to the director. Um, and so I, so I grew up, I, I grew up watching the Leslie Ann Warren Cinderella over and over and over and over again. And so I, I liked, I mean, I just remember just loving that, that, sh- that show. Uh, I love Cinderella, but I love that film of Cinderella. And that certainly was without an audience and it was so cheesy, but it's something, I don't know. It's like, it, it is like its own genre almost. It's something so special. You can't contain it. Um, and so, yeah, I think there are negatives and there are positives to the audience as well. And again, I can't believe I'm saying that, but in this medium that we're talking about that we have not defined yet, I think the question of audience is still up in the air for me, whether it's beneficial or not. Oh, wow. See, I've, I have yet to come across a film live musical where uh, cell phones or uh, audience interruptions uh, kind of marred the capture. Wow. So I think maybe if it was masked by music or they edited out. Uh, that's, yeah. How how do we mitigate that? Yeah. Because for me, the, the film live TV specials that came mm-hmm. out since Peter Pan uh, of the, the new edition, not the, not the Mary yeah. Martin and... Um, right. Uh, Kathy Rigby versions. Uh, but the Taylor, the Taylor louder milk in the, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, oh, what's her name from girls played Peter Pan. Allison the, some. Ale- yes. Uh, but anyway, for me, those productions, I, I couldn't 
watch them because yeah. they weren't theater. They were advertised as theater, but they're just they're TV shows in a studio. Whereas uh, for me, Jesus Christ Superstar Live was the first TV live musical that worked because it had an audience present. Although the screaming crowd made me crazy. I was like, please mm-hmm. tell them to stop screaming and please stop cutting to commercial break. Yeah. I agree with you about Jesus Christ Superstar, and I am not a very big Andrew Lloyd Webber fan, but that show particularly work just works in that setting. Like there's another, I, I can't, oh yeah. So Andrew Lloyd Webber is doing, he did the, you know, the show must go on. Yeah. And so he released another production of Jesus Christ Superstar. The arena, the, the O2 arena. Oh, and I'm like, this is the only show that can do this. This is the only show that can just make, I, I, so I agree with you. I think that that is, but like Little Mermaid didn't work. Rent well, didn't work. Little Mermaid was such a shame because they had an audience, but they decided uh, for whatever reason to do all the book scenes from the cartoon and live oh. musical numbers. And it was misjudged. Uh, yes. And Rent was such a missed opportunity because yes. the, I've, I've, uh, haven't looked at it in a while. I forget who played Roger, but uh, hurt his was ankle. It it wasn't Jordan Fisher. He played Mark. Mm. Oh, uh, I don't but the uh, he injured himself in the dress rehearsal, which they recorded, and in, and then uh, he had to be in a cast and a wheelchair. And instead of allowing him to go on in that way, which I understand health concern or safety concerns, they aired the the dress rehearsal. And there was a live audience, but they knew it was a dress rehearsal, so they were holding back, and it wasn't it wasn't the real thing. It didn't have the excitement of the actual performance. And I think it's such a that was like a real missed opportunity to to allow theater to happen once you know not having an understudy yeah. and but he could have he could he have done it in his cast and would yeah. that have changed that performance and it like. It's you know it was only happening at that one time, and it, it was a shame we didn't get to see what it could have been. Yeah, I agree. Also, stop putting commercials in my theater. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness gracious! So infuriating. Hashtag stop putting commercials in my theater. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag please. Hashtag now. <laughs> right. Like how joyful was it to watch Hamilton without ad breaks? Can you imagine putting I mean, ad breaks in there if that had aired on like NBC or ABC or something? Oh, no, there were a couple times where my my Disney Plus it had to buffer, and I was Uh-oh. getting I was getting upset just at the buffering because I'm like, <laughs> guys, what is going on? Right, Reynolds is about to he's about to what? No, oh, so <laughs> <laughs> were you watching it on Friday when it came out? Yeah, yeah, we watched on Friday night, and it was it was better. We watched after the watch party started. Because gotcha. we were lining up to watch it with my sisters in Sydney. Oh, right, right, right. Hashtag the Lion Sisters. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, uh, going back to TV musicals, uh, brings us back to Peter Pan. Uh, in 1955, uh, the Mary Martin uh, production of Peter Pan's was of. Uh, performed live or performed on television so that version was it was the broadway production and the broadway cast but um it was redone and condensed for television so it was a a shorter version Mm. and uh it was a huge hit 
And so they redid it in 1956. Uh, that time it was done live. Um, but I think without a studio audience, it was just broadcast live on television. And then they did it again in 1960, which is the version that is currently available. Um, and it's the first, from what I can tell, I think it's the first Broadway show on television, even though it was a studio version. Wow. And then that was followed by Cinderella with Julie Andrews and the version that you... Um, Leslie Ann. Leslie Ann, Yes. <laughs> But I do love, I do have that like disc set of the Julie Andrews of this, like I have the recording of this performance because I love uh -huh. it so much. It's beautiful. I need to, I, I confess I've not watched it. I haven't it, seen it. it just, I'm just a sucker for anything Cinderella. So I, I'll just watch anything with Cinderella in the title. <laughs> Did you see when it became a Broadway show? Yes. Oh, yes. I have my thoughts on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> not filmed live uh and then jumping ahead um so there's no, there wasn't really anything else there's no live musicals on tv um the the variety hours fell out of favor and were replaced by sitcoms and uh made for tv content rather than bringing theater in to mm. uh fill the airwaves basically uh in 1973, we have Pippin being the first Broadway show to use actual footage from the show in a commercial on television. Wow. And there's a great line from the commercial. You can see the other 119 minutes of Pippin live at the Imperial Theatre without commercial interruption. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a lot of sources say that it was the first used footage from the show. From what I have read, Fosse recreated the number for the screen, and he also directed how the camera angles would be. Of course he did. Yes, that's right. Of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the, the commercial is available on YouTube. Ooh. And yeah, it's really, it's it's fascinating to, to see it with, you know, Ben Vereen front and center. Oh. Um, and But Pippin wasn't filmed live itself as a show until much, till much later, till 1981. Uh, and it was filmed in Canada, not um, not the Broadway production. So the the filmed production is was filmed in Canada. Wow! And then we get to 1976, which is for I think it's quite an important year for film life musicals. Uh, Pacific Overtures, Sondheim, was filmed uh, in its entirety, the original Broadway cast, for distribution on Japanese television. And I think it's interesting that it was not released in the American market. And I'm, I would love to do more research about why Japanese television, why there was a market for American musicals mm -hmm. and how, how that all came about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow, that's it, very interesting. Yeah. It was produced by Hal Prince, who also directed the production. Mm -hmm. uh, in conjunction with a Japanese producer, Mikan Eriksen Hukahodo. And I apologize, I'm probably definitely mispronouncing that. <laughs> but it was the first of three productions to be filmed for Japanese television. There was Will Rogers' Follies in 91, which was filmed at the Palace, and Victor Victoria with Queen Julie Andrews mm -hmm. was filmed at the Marriott Marquis in 95. So there's definitely, there's, there was a market for, wow. or a, a tiny market because those musicals are quite far apart, but 
I'm curious to know more about there's more research to be done there. Absolutely. And then we go into the 80s and we have the rise of pay TV and producers realized that there was a niche market for, or they, they sensed that there was a niche market for musicals on television. And so Sophisticated Ladies, which was a review of Duke Ellington music, uh, was the first musical to air live on television while still being performed on Broadway. And back to these contract negotiations, most of the original Broadway cast refused to appear in the broadcast because they were scared about what that broadcast would do to ticket sales. And like you said, they, they didn't believe that filming theater was, (laughs) was a good thing. (laughs) So I'm curious if any of those original actors regret that decision now. Mm. I'm that's very interesting. That's, that's a that to me like signifies just a, a true passion and love for your craft, which I I respect very much. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah, I the the sources that I've read about sophisticated ladies, the the newspaper reports say that contract negotiations were sour, and so I'm I'm curious if it was maybe part part of their reluctance to to film the show, but also they wanted to be paid more. Yeah. Which probably. <laughs> yeah, right. Given how new and, and rare this was and mm-hmm. they their demands were probably not met. And so they brought in people from the tour, I believe, were the mm. folks that were filmed. Um, but that that is now available on DVD. It was released, released by Culture in 2005. And it is also um, on YouTube. Mm. don't condone it but it's there because <laughs> who's who's getting who's getting residuals from that youtube video nobody yep. <laughs> and then in 1986 we have live from lincoln center which mm. uh the tv program it had been airing before that um but it was mostly opera it had started 10 years earlier in 1976 but it had only broadcast opera and ballet and classical music to that point and the uh, the first musical that they broadcast was Candide wow. at the Met. And you can debate whether Candide is an operetta or a musical, but it was advertised as the first Bernstein musical to be aired on national live TV. Okay, that's interesting. I always considered it an operetta. It's, but we can it call is, it a musical. <laughs> they called it a musical. Yeah. <laughs> and Bernstein was still alive at this point. So <laughs> have you seen Candide? No, I've never seen it. Me I've only neither. Ever listened to it. Yeah, me too. It's I love the music. It's some of my favorite. Mm. Make our garden he grow was, is. Yeah, he was I want that played at my incredible. funeral. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not to get beautiful. morbid. It's such oh, a beautiful, beautiful. song. <laughs> and of course, Candide was filmed later again, um, live from Lincoln Center with uh, Patti Lapone, Kristen Chenoweth. I mm. I forget who else is in the cast because. You only care about the musical theater people. Not true. Yeah, not I was say. True. But <laughs> Kristen Shadow with singing uh, Glitter and Be Gay. Mm. Glorious. Oh. Uh, so into the 80s, uh, Sunday in the Park with George was filmed um, and it was produced by Michael Brandman and Ellen M. Crass. And uh, I got to interview Michael Brandman when I wrote my thesis 
And he talked about how Sondheim was very dedicated to ensuring his legacy and was really Mm. keen on using new technology to distribute his work. So it was a very conscious decision to film Sunday in the Park and Into the the George. (laughs) (laughs) Into the George, it's time to go. (laughs) (laughs) Sunday in the Park with wood. (laughs) <laughs> Sunday in the woods. <laughs> now I'm trying to think of a mashup. It's hot up here. <laughs> Mother, can I guide you? There we go. <laughs> okay, so oh. into the woods and Sunday in the park with George and a little night music were all filmed. Part of me in the late 80s, early 90s. And there was a conscious decision uh, to use cinematic filming techniques, which uh, in my interview, Michael Brandman claimed that uh, that hadn't been done before. But Mm -hmm. um, when I've watched the uh, Pacific Overtures, I'd argue that they were attempting to do that. They just, the tech, the the capture of Pacific Overtures is not super clear. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's just because of the, the cameras that were available at that time and what, what could fit inside the theater and what could be done. I'm losing my voice. What could be done with an audience present? Um, I think that, that got as that's just gotten better and better Mm -hmm. as time has gone on. And most of those shows up until this point have been, were filmed uh, toward the end of their run. And, uh, released either just before the show was closing or after it had closed. Mm, that seems smart. So it, they couldn't argue that it was really affecting ticket sales at that mm-hmm. point because the shows were done mostly. Um, although right. the sophisticated ladies, when it was released, uh, oh, I'm thinking of a different one. Never mind. I've, I've, I'm coming to a different show. Um, it's Memphis that I wanted to talk about the ticket sales. Gotcha. Yeah. So in 2006, the Met created Met Live in HD, and they were the first theater company to, or opera company, to release live, filmed live uh, productions in cinemas. And it was hugely successful and hugely influential. And um, lots of companies have tried to replicate it with varying success, but the Met was um, incredibly successful when it first launched. And then in 2007, so it's it's relatively recently, it's within the last 15 years, 13 yeah. years, uh, we have Legally Blonde was the first uh, musical to be broadcast on TV while it was playing on Broadway. Well, the second really because of us, Sophisticated Ladies was first, uh, but certainly the first of, you know, of the 21st century. Yeah. And... The producers have talked about uh, how that that capture and the airing on MTV helped boost ticket sales for the oh, tour. Oh, interesting. Uh, I always also, wondered why they did that. Why did they do that MTV show? From what I understand, the ticket sales weren't great. It didn't didn't get great reviews. It didn't get any Tony love, and it just wasn't selling very well. Mm. And so they decided to the. The quote I love is, uh, we're bringing an MTV musical to the MTV generation. Mm. That's, it was aimed at 
our age group at millennials and mm-hmm. um, teenagers and tweens um, who are a bit younger than us at that time, <laughs> or a bit younger than me, certainly. <laughs> I was not a tween in 2007. <laughs> I don't even know how old I was. Oh, God, I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were, you were a teenager, right? I was a teenager. Yeah, not a tween. No, 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 what's a, a tween? Uh, before, like, like, not a child, not a teenager. So, like, 8 to 12. Oh, okay. Got it. You, you're a teenager, right? In 2007? Yeah, 15? Yeah, 15 there or you go. 16? So, yeah, it was aimed at your market. I was a little older. I was, I just uh, finished college mm. in 2007. But... There was there was so much talk about would it affect the tour, would it affect Broadway, and it gave it a little bit of a bump on Broadway. Uh, mm. But what really helped the tour was the search for Elle Woods, the reality yeah. show to cast the new Elle. Wow! And because she the, I who was it that won? Do you remember? I don't remember. She whoever won did the tour, and so people wanted to see who they'd seen on television. I and the, see. the producers have directly said that the search for Elwoods helped boost ticket sales on the road. Wow. And I think that speaks to the power of making music, Broadway content available to people outside of New York. Absolutely. Because not everyone can afford the tickets to come to the city, let alone the Broadway ticket and you know, the cost of coming to the city pre-pandemic. I know. <laughs> Right. What's it going to be post-pandemic? Absolutely. I mean, I just think about being a kid and why, I mean, and using dial-up, which took forever to load one YouTube video, which took forever to watch a clip of a show um, from the Tonys or a bootleg, because that's literally the only access I had to the New York or the professional theater scene, I should say, besides the, cause I'm in Buffalo, we have a professional roadhouse. So we would get, we would get national tours and I was involved in theater, but to see like those actual people on Broadway, never in my life did I ever think I would be able to do that. So I used what I had, which was dial up and, and hours to load a YouTube yeah. video. <laughs> so I can understand and appreciate that. Yeah. Well, for me growing up even further away in Sydney, Australia, it's Broadway yeah. may as well have been the moon. It it was so far away. <laughs> right, right, and, exactly. You know, I we had access to VHS and DVDs. So the I think the first film live musical that I got to see, or the first musical I got Broadway musical I got to see was that 1989 recording of Into the Woods. Yeah, and it it opened my eyes to this whole world that existed beyond my bubble. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, Absolutely. that's why this is so important. Uh, so let's let's press on. In 2008, uh, we have um, the creation of digital theater in the UK. It's a company that was dedicated to streaming uh, digital theater content. And their first musical was um, a, a, produ- a company called Perfect Pitch, and they, they do development of new musicals. And they received, Digital Theatre received a grant, oh, sorry, the company that filmed from up here, Perfect Pitch, that created that musical, um, they received a grant uh, in 2012 from the Arts Council in the UK to to look into digital content. Um, and it started because of podcasts. 
they realized mm. that there was this market online for creating theater content and they were curious to see if video captures would be part of that market. And so they streamed a new musical from up here. It's still available on digital theater. And I'm curious, I'd, I'd love to do more research into what the numbers were at that time, how many people watched it. Yeah, and absolutely. How, you know. um, and then in 2009, uh, we have the formation of National Theatre Live, again, inspired by the Met in Live in HD. Uh, the National Theatre in the UK created a program where they would film plays and uh, stream them in cinemas, uh, cinema broadcasts. And their first musical was Fela, which was um, Broadway production, and then it transferred to the National Theatre in 2011. And it was the first National Theatre broadcast of a show that was concurrently playing on Broadway. Wow. First and only, I believe, right now. Still mm. still the only. Um, so curious, be interesting to look into ticket sales, how that boosted or negatively affected oh, I, I suspect yeah. it boosted and uh, National Theatre have also filmed uh, the Three Penny Opera the Brecht um, musical mm -hmm. and Follies in 2017 wow. which I'm so sad they didn't release uh, during the National Theatre at home during the pandemic I, yeah. I wish any of those musicals had been re-released to watch again but they were only the contracts were only for cinema broadcasts so wow. from what I understand they can't do it again in 2011, we have Memphis. Uh, it was the first musical to be released in cinemas while playing on Broadway in 2011, on April 28, 2011 at the Schubert. And this is when I have done a little bit of research on the ticket sales. Prior to the, the release of the film, the capacity at the Schubert was at about 86%. And the week before the release, lots of promotions for the film, the uh, ticket sales at the Schubert went up to almost full houses to 98%. Wow. So that's, that's quite a big jump. Um, and then the, the ticket sales dropped back down after the release to 87%. So slightly higher than they had been, but not much. But it, it certainly didn't take away the the audiences. People still mm -hmm. kept coming. I think it closed shortly afterwards. Um, and then in 2013... Uh, I just think it's interesting to to share that um, life from Lincoln Center, after having started as sharing mostly ballet and opera and classical music, uh, most of their content from 2000 onwards has been musical theater content. And there's um, concerts featuring Broadway stars or composer tributes. They did a um, Sondheim tribute at one point, uh, I think Stephen Schwartz tribute as well. Um, and they've also done several full-length musicals and um, occasional plays, but it's mostly been musical theater content. Oh. So I think that shows a shift in audience desires and and what the yeah. Live from Lincoln Center are willing to um, to produce and to sponsor. Absolutely. So five years ago, 2015, Daddy Long Legs became the first off off Broadway musical to be live streamed. It was produced by Ken Davenport and uh, streamed from the um, the Davenport Theatre off Broadway House, which sadly no longer exists. Probably going to become a high rise apartment. Oh my god, that's depressing. <laughs> Have you seen Daddy Long Legs? Uh, no, I've I've listened to the soundtrack and I've seen whatever like like when you go on like Broadway World or whatever those YouTube channels are and whatever they release. So like clips and stuff, but never a full production. 
It's such an amazing capture. And when it came out, I was so excited and I thought, this is it. This is going to be the game changer. It was watched by, oh, I, I don't remember the numbers, potentially millions, but like from all around the world, Ken Davenport released an amazing um, statistics uh, breakdown of what the numbers had been. And they were just incredible. And they boosted the sales at daddy long legs and it was able to run it ran for another year or so after that live stream um wow. so it, it you know it certainly helped the sales and ken davenport talked a lot about um how uh the number of people that watched the live stream how many times over that could have filled that little off-broadway theater and it was something yeah. like if it, it, the equivalent of, run, of it running for seven years or something oh my god yeah so the reach of the live stream was just unparalleled. Wow. And then in 2016, uh, we have the first Broadway musical to stream online, and it was um, Broadway HD. And again, Ellen M. Crass, she keeps coming back. She's a smart lady. Yes, and that was a roundabout co-production and filmed, oh gosh, what is that theater? It's a roundabout theater. At the American Airlines? No, the other one. Not 54? Uh, yes, 54. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, With Laura so, Benanti? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that was, uh, it was streamed online and it was meant to be a one night only thing, but it was so popular that Broadway HD made it available for 10 days afterwards. And wow. you can now watch it on Broadway HD. Wow. So that's a quick little saunter into the firsts of, of yes. filmed live musicals. Uh, so to finish off, I'm, my hope is that we'll be able to do this uh, each each episode. We'll do some quick questions. So I'm going to ask Al oh, some gosh. quick questions. Here we go. Rapid oh, fire. <laughs> no, Al, I'm just what is your just... favorite musical? <laughs> you can do this. Favorite musical. Um, it's, it's somewhere between Guys and Dolls and Next to Normal. Somewhere in there. <laughs> That is quite a range. <laughs> that is also an excellent answer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, do you have a favorite filmed live musical? Oh, it's probably, I think I've seen Sunday in the Park with George. I think I've seen that pro shot more than I've seen any other one. Also currently available on Broadway HD, just re-released. Love so you it. You don't need to go hunting for your old VHS. <laughs> nope. <laughs> What should we call filmed live musicals? Is it theater? Is it film? What is it? Ooh, it's a it's a filming of theater. This is a great question. I would say, in all honesty, I would say that it's film. I would say that it's being presented as film, and it should be treated as such. That's what I'm gonna. That's my gonna be my answer for now. So, what's the difference between Cats, the musical, the movie musical oh. that came out last year? Oh Lord! Not talking about quality, but just like the. <laughs> We're the, just talking about the, the concept, the, the idea. Yes. Of so you've got a movie musical. You've got the production that was filmed in a studio, that was a recreation of the West End show. What's the mm -hmm. difference between those two? Why is is one a film? Is one theater? That that no, cats think, was filmed without an audience, but it's kind of the closest thing. That oh yeah that. I would say they're both film, but I think that 
I think they're both to be treated as film. I think that they're just two different styles, like a documentary and a drama. You know what I mean? Like in a drama. That's kind of what it feels like. Oh, it's like documentary. documentary style. Yeah. Um, when you wa- when you follow like these live beings and you don't interrupt them, whereas with a film, with with if we're going with the example of Cats from last year with Taylor Swift and all those people, that's interrupted. That's 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 set up. That's scripted. That's actually adapted to be that's written in a different way like they added things they took things out they gave they gave so here's a better uh how would you what would you call hamilton (laughs) the the new one that just came that the film that just got dropped this week yeah what what is it is it a film it's a pro shot yeah it's a i I would say it's (laughs) it's a film i would say i would say it's meant to be treated as that right yeah you know what i mean it's still the stage show it is a, it is a film of a stage show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this question. I, it tortures me, and I I'm taking a little bit of glee in <laughs> in sure torturing, you watching your brain wrap around it. It's <laughs> I it's such a it's it's kind of the question to me. What is it? Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I'm okay. gonna go with it's still edited. It's still yeah. I'm gonna yeah. go with film. Pro pro shot film. Yep. I like it. Uh, where do you stand on bootlegs? somewhere in the middle and like completely honestly I don't watch bootlegs as much as I I used to like when I was little because I have clearer easier access to theater and I can afford it and I can just see it whenever um pre-covid but I also understand why why people do it I understand why people watch them I get it so I I don't condemn the people who watch them. I think I condemn the people who do it, like the people who actually do it in the first place. <laughs> yeah. But to me, it's, you know, they show that they, people want, they want to see the live theater and they, they're mm-hmm. willing to watch it on screen. Yeah. And there's, there is money to be made and to be had in that industry and that we need to find a way to make recordings it above available. the board. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because bootlegs often are terrible quality. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't like watching them for that reason. And I know I know people who love bootlegs and you know are deep in that world and and claim that the quality isn't as terrible as as the general assumption is, but why watch a bootleg when you can watch a pro shot? That's fair. The only thing I'll say is that there are some pro shots that just don't exist. Like At so many that the, the, I mean, such a tiny amount has been recorded. It's so disappointing. Like the first show I ever, ever, ever wanted to see at the New York Public Library, they didn't have. So, like, what I was, was like it? the only thing I wanted. It was Exit the King with Jeffrey Rush. Ugh. He and Susan Sarandon. Yeah. And Jeffrey Rush had done his own translation because Ionesco wrote in French. So Jeffrey Rush from French translated it. He did his own. I just, I really wanted to see it. (laughs) And so for that, I then start to look for resources. Same thing with Merrily. Like there's original footage of Merrily. People walking out of the Neil Simon or the Alvin at the time. People walking out. And I... I'll give, I'm so happy that there's a recording of something for that history. Cause that is history. I'm glad that there's something. Yeah. I wish it was professional, but who's going to record an 11, an 11 run. It only ran for like 11 days. So who's going to yeah. record that, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. And now, you know how 
it it comes to this question of what should we film? Who's mm-hmm. paying for it? Yeah. Why do we film it? Does everything should everything be filmed? It's it it's very complicated. I mean, so, I wish everything was filmed. I think so. That, let that our next question. Yeah. What do you wish had been filmed? <laughs> <laughs> Jeffy Rush and Exit the King. Um, <laughs> Not a musical. <laughs> what musical do you wish had been filmed? <laughs> I care about plays, but I don't care about plays. <laughs> what about do you have an answer for this question do you know what you would have liked to have seen everything everything a chorus line the original production i don't know if that is that tuft is it at tuft do we know i don't know i've never asked i i wish everything had been filmed i the i i know that the thing the theater is ephemeral that's that's part of its magic for people but there is a way to document and archive and I I wish we had access to more historical yes performances to I agree. to understand how you know as a history student as a theater student to understand how conventions have changed over time to understand how performance styles have changed over time the orchestrations like that's so much a, a capture can give us all of that information in a way that just a list of orchestra members or a list of you know sometimes not all the orchestrations survive so we we don't have that information and if you have a, a filmed recording you have that information to a degree you can hear it orally and see it visually so i you know i just i wish everything had been filmed <laughs> i i mean i agree with that what would you like to see filmed in the future? What productions would you like to see filmed? Ooh, I mean, it's really hard to think about the future right now, isn't it? Yes, that's. It is a tricky question in the middle of a global pandemic where Broadway is shut down until for the next yeah. seven. What are we? July five months from the for now. Yeah, it's potentially longer. I don't know. I'm. I honestly, I don't know if this exists, but a pro shot of of um, Nathan Lane and Guys and Dolls that probably I go back and I watch all the rehearsal footage from that particular production. I would not have mind. I just would like to see. I would like to see every yeah iconic, iconic musical played by like a legendary actor, right? Recorded. So like they've done Gypsy how many times? I want to see every Gypsy with every rose. That is my dream is to have a box set of shows like that. Exactly. Like, I want Gypsy. I want Hello Dolly. Uh, yes. I want Shuffle Along. Like I want all of it. And I want the box set. Like, can you imagine if you could have Shuffle Along, like the original 1920s production dream. and then the, the contemporary production with a making of about why they read, why they did the, like the 20, what was it? 2016, 17? 16, I think. Yeah. Before um, Evan Hansen. Can you imagine, like, how what a doc, what a document of history that would be to oh have to have the box set of all of those great performers? Just, it would be a dream. Yeah, that's like that's I what even I want. say. I've seen several. I've seen several different productions of the same play at Lincoln Center because they have it, and I think that that if they did that for musicals, I think that that would be. A dr- just a dream just an absolute theater kids dream yeah <laughs> uh to have hello dolly with um uh, carol channing B- bet midler um 
uh, who was her Donna Murphy, Betty Donna Buckley, Murphy, Betty Buckley and then uh, Pearl Bailey from oh. the uh, old black production in the seventh. Mm-hmm. Like, I want, I want every one of those women <laughs> and every one of those casts. I want, I want to see it. Yeah, I and. Yeah, like people talking about Hamilton, you know, they they want to see Javier Munoz playing, yeah, uh, playing Hamilton, Hamilton. and they, all these dream casts that we could come up with and imagine, you know, but the the cost and this like all of it, right, right. Uh, so that brings us to the end, just about. Woo-hoo! Thank you so much for being here on my first first filmed live musicals episode podcast thank you i'm so excited thank you so much al tell us where we can find you on social media on social media uh it's usually just al monaco a-l-m-o-n-a-c-o um underscore so al underscore monaco that's usually the twitter facebook insta yeah, Instagram, Al underscore Monaco, Twitter, the same thing. And then, um, or you can also find me at Al Knits Things because I knit a lot of things. So you can find me there too. <laughs> Fabulous. And you can find fil- filmed live musicals on Twitter at Musicals On Screen or on Facebook at Filmed Live Musicals. And we also have a Patreon. Uh, tiers start at $1. Uh, you're, for one dollar, you're just supporting the site. For five dollars, you get early access to the Filmed Live Musicals newsletter, which comes out each month. And for ten dollar patrons, you get access to the newsletter and also early access to this podcast. Huzzah! And you can find us at patreon.com forward slash musicals on screen. Excellent, fabulous. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Al. This was so much fun. Yes, it was. I, I have learned things about you that I did not know before, like that you did not oh, yeah. like filmed theater. <laughs> For shame. That has made my day. I think I'm that's so hilarious. Sorry. It's perfect. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for yeah. listening. And we look forward to catching up next month. Yay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Filmed Live Musicals is a labour of love, and we'd love to thank everyone who makes it possible. Thank you to star patrons Mercedes Esteban, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, and Beck Twist for your support. If you'd like to support Filmed Live Musicals, please like and review the podcast, or find us on Twitter at Musicals on Screen and on Facebook at Filmed Live Musicals. If you'd like to support the site financially, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash musicals on screen. $5 patrons receive early access to written content and $10 patrons also receive early access to this very podcast. Visit www.filmedlivemusicals.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. <laughs>